بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. The Jum'ah Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God consciousness. This series shares Jum'ah Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillahi alladhi hadana lihada wa ma kunna linahdadiya lawla an hadana Allah. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Miftah bi-rahmatillah adada ma fi ilmi la saratan wa salaman daimaini bi-dawami mulkillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah wa sharawannahu allahu alladhi la ilaha illa allah wahdahu la shirikara ilahan wahidan wa rabban shahidan wa nahnalu muslimun وَشَرَوَ نَسِيدَنَا وَحَبِيبَنَا وَكُرَتَ أَيُّنِنَا مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ رَسُولُهُ أَرْسَلْهُ اللَّهُ بِالْهُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ لِيُذِيرُ عَلَى الدِّينِ كُلِّهِ وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْمُشْرِكُونَ أَمَّا بَعْدْ يَا إِبَادُ اللَّهِ إِنِّي مُسِيكُمْ وَنَفْسِ إِيَّايَا بِتَقْوَى اللَّهِ الحمد لله We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of his blessings and the blessing of this day of Jum'ah on the 15th of Sha'ban in this blessed month and on this blessed day after the blessed eve of a night that some have said that is second only to Laylat al-Qadr. And the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great. And when we expose ourselves to be able to receive from His mercy and from His bounty, nothing fulfills the human being more than to be able to receive the divine favor. And our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi as we know, is the miftah bab rahmatillah. He is the key that opens up for us the mercy of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one that taught us sallallahu alayhi wasallam how it is to be before Allah and what are the various traits that we need, what should be the state of heart that you and I all have, in particular in relation to something that he taught us, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is the essence of ibadah, of worship. Addu'a mukhul ibadah. Supplication is the essence of worship. Literally, mukh, the bone marrow. This is the essence of the affair because when we supplicate our Lord, we are pronouncing and we are declaring our need for our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the state of the abd is that we should constantly be aware of our absolute need of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only du'as that are greater than the du'as that our Prophet Muhammad uttered are the du'as found in the book of Allah ta'ala. It is through these du'as, the du'as in the Qur'an al-Kareem, and then looking at the preserved sunnah of our Prophet Sallallahu and learning how it is that he supplicated Allah, that you and I then learn how it is that we need to be. And then it is possible that if we immerse ourselves in the ad'iyat al-Qur'an, in the ad'iyat al-Nabawiyah, and that we memorize and we recite day in and day out the various du'as that are in the Qur'an and on the, in the sunnah of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that then we are then inspired 
in how to it is that you and I should make dua and how it is that you and I should be in a state of munaja that is intimate conversation with our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and you and I need to continue to make dua until we get beyond the hardness of heart that sometimes afflicts us to where we start to find great pleasure in supplicating Allah where we start to recognize that this is the true way for human fulfillment when it is that we get in touch with this aspect of our being that exists within us but it requires that it be uncovered and on this blessed day of Jum'ah, I wanted to share one of these blessed du'as of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this particular du'a according to one narration is that there is no malak muqarrab, that is angel who has been brought near. And there is no nabi mursal and no prophet sent. And there is no ab salih Righteous servant of Allah, save that this du'a is from the du'as that he used to recite. And so, in this blessed du'a that our Prophet ﷺ teaches us how it is to implore our Lord to Baraka wa Ta'ala. And he begins by saying, Allahumma bi ilminka al ghaib. O Allah, that through your knowledge of the unseen, and your power over creation. So we are immediately recognizing that when we say Allahumma, this is like saying Ya Allah. And when you say Allahumma, this is preparing the heart to be in a state where it is relying solely upon Allah. It is departing from the self and moving internally towards directing it to our Lord. Allahumma. And what a beautiful way this is to call upon Allah. Just as it is beautiful to say, Ya Ilahi, Ya Rab, Ya Allah. All of these different ways that we have to call upon Allah. Allahumma. And we see this in many of the blessed du'as in the Quran and Kareem. And in our, the, from the sunnah of our Prophet Wasallam. Allahumma. We ask you by your knowledge of the unseen. Well, we recognize there are things that we do not know. In Allah Ta'ala, He is the omniscient. He knows everything about everything. From every possible dimension and from e in every possible way, Allah is the all-knowing. And so we are recognizing by saying, we don't have knowledge of the unseen, but Allah does. The past, the present, and the future is all the same for Allah. He knows everything. And so we are recognizing that we lack knowledge. And so we're calling upon the one that has complete and comprehensive knowledge. And we recognize that power belongs to him alone. And your power over creation, humankind, jinnkind, and everything else that it is that you created. All of the beings of the seen and the unseen realm, everything that you created in the seen and the unseen realm. Then we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us life. And again, only He is the Muhi. He is the Muhi. He is the one who gives life. Because He is the one who is alive in and of Himself. He is at height. And He is the Muhi. All manifestations of life 
are only from Him, Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Ma alimtal hayata khayran li. Give me life as long as you know that life is good for me. And we know that we're not supposed to make dua to return to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. And there's only certain situations that Allah has permitted that. If we fear some types of fitna, i.e. that somehow that our faith is going to be compromised due to a particular circumstance, it's permissible to ask to return to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. But in general, this is the dua that we make. Grant me life as long as life is good for me. And normally that we tend to ask Allah Ta'ala for tul al-umr, for long life. But not for the reason that most people ask for long life for. Most people ask for a long life because they just want to enjoy the things of this world. And they're terrified for what comes after. This is not in a religious sense why we ask for tul al-umr. We ask for tul al-umr fi ta'atillah. To be in a state of obedience of Allah. And there are righteous folk that subhanAllah that if you ask Allah to give them a long life, they might even say, no, don't ask that for me. Because they don't necessarily want a long life. They want barakah in their life. What did Imam Nawawi radiallahu anhu miss dying at the age of 45, even though he was fairly young? What did he miss? in relation to how he lived his life and all of the blessing that was in Imam Ghazali only lived to about 55. And look what he left behind. The key is not that we live long, is that we have blessing in our life. And that that blessing comes through a life of ta'a, of obedience to Allah Taala. But if we're going to ask, this is how we ask. Oh Allah, grant me life as long as life is good for me. And so if we know that life is not good for us, it's better that we prepare for the return to Allah Taala. And we never know when that's going to be. And this is why that we should be ever ready for the return to Allah Taala. May Allah Ta'ala bless us to prepare for the meeting with Him. And may He make us firm upon La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. May that be the last thing that is that we say. And take my life. Cause me to die. If you know that death is better for me. And think about the courage that we have to have to ask this dua. To ask for this, you have to have courage. Because if Allah answers that, it might be that it's better for you to go at a particular time that you didn't expect that it was going to happen then. But we need to be sincere in this dua because this is what we want. Only Allah ultimately knows what is good for us. We do not know. We do not know what is best for us. We have a criterion outwardly that in general that we use to direct us and to point us in the right direction. But only Allah ultimately knows what is good for us. So then our Prophet taught us to say, Allahumma. Oh Allah, I ask you for khasha. And khasha combines both fear and reverence. Only the people that know truly have khasha of Allah. Khasha 
combines hope, fear, with reverence. And the more that we come to know Allah, the more that we will come to know that in addition to his sifat, al-jamalida, there is sifat, jalaliya. He has attributes of rigor and majesty, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in addition to his attributes of beauty. And the more that we come to know him, the more khasha that we will have of him. Because this is what is befitting for the abd, for the servant before his or her Lord. And we want to be like this wherever we are, when we are with people or when we are alone. That when we are, that and outwardly and inwardly in all of our different states, we want to be people of khasha. And this is what should motivate us to do what it is that we do and avoid what it is that we avoid. This awareness that our Lord sees us subhanahu wa ta'ala and recognizing that we are going to stand before him on the day of judgment and be asked about what it is that we've done here in this world. So our Prophet is teaching us in this dua the most important thing that we need to be able to live that good life which is to have khasha of Allah. And of course, that this relates to taqwa in all of our different states, privately and publicly, alone and with people, inwardly and outwardly. He's teaching us to be sincere. He's teaching us to be genuine and to ultimately bring to mind that what matters is how we are before our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَسْأَلُكَ كَلِمَةَ الْإِخْلَاسِ Or, كَلِمَةَ I ask you for the word of truth or the word of sincerity. When I am happy and when I'm angry. When I am content and when I am angry. And so that we know that sometimes we veer from this. And depending upon the state of our heart, and to the degree that we have had the principles of this deen realized within us is to the degree that we will tell the truth regardless of the situation that we're in. And if you just think about the times that you've become angry and you think about the things that it is that you have said, you will find that you tend to exaggerate. You find that you tend to that divert from the truth when you become angry. But we want to be people who are just. Who? Whether we are content or whether we are angry, is that in both states we only tell the truth. We don't flatter people that we're not hypocritical. We don't exaggerate beyond measure. We are balanced and put everything in its proper scale. And to do what is pleasing to Allah. And this takes training, and this takes awareness. And this is why that we have to ask Allah for this. And if we say a dua like this sincerely, the next time that we're in that state, the hope is that we will be balanced. Because if we're happy, it might be that we excessively praise someone. Is that then we get gripped by our desire and then actually want something from someone. Or that if we are angry, that again, in the other direction, that there might be some type of imbalance. So we ask Allah to bless us, to speak the truth in all circumstances. 
whether it's going to make people happy or whether it's going to make them angry. And of course, there's a way that we go about doing things. And we have to be tactful in all of our dealings with people. But we have to be people who speak the truth. And we have to be people who respond to every situation, even when we're angered. And to only say what is pleasing to Allah and to speak the truth. And then our Prophet taught us to ask, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I ask you to maintain the middle way, the middle course, when I have wealth or when I'm poor. I don't go into excess in any way, whether I have or whether I'm lacking. And we know that for different people, they're tried in different ways with ghina and fakr. And for some people, it's actually better off that they have less. And for other people, it, they're better off having a little bit more. And in the end, we have to submit to Allah. And again, Allah only knows what is best for us. And we do not know. What is important is, is that if we have ghina and we have some form of wealth and we tend to lack need of other people, we should put things in its proper place. And we should maintain a balanced lifestyle and not go into excess. And we should be aware of some of the afat and some of the pitfalls of having wealth, just as that if we, that have, if we have been tried with poverty, is that we need to maintain a balance. And our Prophet ﷺ taught us how to be in both states. Because his poverty was voluntary. He taught us how to be when he had wealth. And he taught us how to be when he didn't have wealth. And this is reflected even in the clothing that he used to wear. He usually wore simple clothing. But there's times that he would wear very nice clothing. That poor people would be unable to afford. But then we know he used to only have that. He would never he would get a new garment. He would give the old one away. And when he was wearing clothes that were simple, he's teaching the wealthy that your true value is not in the clothes that you are wearing. And when he was wearing nice clothing, he was teaching the poor that not to envy those that have, but he was teaching the wealthy how to be when they wore their nice clothing, i.e. to show the traces of Allah's blessings upon you and to be sincere and to not let that clothing outwardly lead you to a state where you have some type of pride or you are boasting or see yourself better than others. In all of his states, he was constantly teaching everybody, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. So, وَأَسْأَلُكَ الْقَصْدَ فِي الْغِنَى وَالْفَقْرِ وَأَسْأَلُكَ نَعِيمًا لَا يَنْفَدْ And I ask you for bliss that will never cease. And that, of course, is only the na'im of the akhirah. Any na'im, any pleasure, any that enjoyment that we have of this world, it is temporary. And if it's done with something that is haram, there's going to be an enormous amount of remorse here in this world before the next world. Find me one person who the next morning after they did something they shouldn't have been doing the night before wakes up feeling good. That's not what happens. Especially that if it's done for some, with some, in some means that is impermissible. And even if what we were doing was permissible, it's going to go. And it's going to pass. The na'im, the la fed, the bliss that never ceases, is the bliss of the hereafter. 
وَأَسْأَلُكَ كُرَةَ عَيْنٍ لَا تَنْكَطِعَ And that I also ask you for كُرَةَ عَيْنٍ The كُرَةَ الْعَيْنٍ is something that pleases you. It's the coolness of your eyes. And they interpret this as either being that offspring that come after you, that are pious, that make dua for you, and those offspring continue on until Yom Al-Qiyamah. This is a good thing to ask for, for the right reasons. Because that if you have righteous offspring, it's a sadaqah jare that you left behind. All of the good that they do continues to be inscribed in your scroll, even if you've passed. Others say that the Qurat Ain here refers to prayer itself. So in a sense that we're asking Allah for al-muhafadah salah to that endure in persisting in continuously praying our prayers in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we know that the Qurat Ain of our Prophet was placed in prayer. And others say that the Qurat Ain here means dawam dhikri. Is it constantly being in a state of remembrance of him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa kamal mahabbati wa unsbih, and attaining the higher degrees of love for him and finding intimacy in his remembrance. And la tanqata, as long as this world remains, and then that even into the hereafter, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this to remain. And then our Prophet taught us to ask for being content with the divine decree, recognizing that everything that has been decreed for us, even though sometimes this is hard to really come to terms with, but it is haq, it is truth. Everything that has been decreed is what is good for us. What is important is how you and I respond. And I ask you for goodness of life after death. And bard al-aish here, that bard is the word for cool. And if, if you had bard al-aish, it is a type of life where you live in a state of afia and well-being, where you don't have that a lot of turpidity in your life, that you don't have excessive difficulties, and so forth and so on. In other words, is that we are asking after death is that we have ease of life. Just as outwardly, if, you th if it's a really hot day, things start to move and that things start to grow and that even animals start to come out that were seem to be hibernating or hiding that all throughout the winter. Whereas normally we associate coldness with lack of movement. So here this idea is that in relation to how that we're going to live is that there be ease of life after death such that we reach the stations of the felicitous and those that Allah Ta'ala has in store for them the greatest good. And then, وَأَسْأَلُكَ لَذَّةَ النَّظَرِ إِلَىٰ وَجْهِكَ الْكَرِيمِ إِلَىٰ وَجْهِكَ And then I ask you for the utter joy of gazing upon your noble countenance. Look at what our Prophet is teaching us to ask for. Look at his himma and his aspiration. Gazing upon the noble countenance of Allah Taala. And then I ask you to grant me a longing for your meaning, for your meeting. That if Allah Ta'ala blesses you to long for his meeting, what kind of state will you be in? How will you view death that so many people are fearful of? 
that so many people have not come to terms with. The true believer, death is a gift for them. When they reach the higher degrees of belief, may Allah bless us to reach those degrees where we long for his meeting. And it doesn't mean that we don't want to remain in this world, but our wanting to remain in this world is so that we can do more to prepare for that meeting with him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then our Prophet is asking, after asking all of these things that came before us, is that we not go through any difficulties that harm us and divert us from the spiritual path. We're going to go through darra. We're going to go through hardship. But we want it to be nafia, not mudirra. We want it to benefit us and not harm us. And in, in other words, Allah Ta'ala, our Prophet, is teaching us to ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to live in a way that we can respond to what comes our way from the divine decree. Wala fitnatin mudilla, and that we not go through any tribulation that will lead us astray. So you could have a fitna that could be hadia or it could be mudilla. A tribulation that you go through could be a source of guidance for you. It could be a means of you raising in degrees of closeness to Allah Ta'ala. Or it could be a means for you to be derailed and lead for you to that dis be distanced from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allahumma zayyinna bi zinat al-iman. Oh Allah, adorn us with the adornment of faith, which is the greatest adornment of all. Everybody wants to look good outwardly. Everybody wants to have certain features and to that look a certain way and to have a certain shape and all of these different types of things that are associated with the physical body. In the end, all of that is going to rot and we're going to turn into a putrid corpse. That's not going to help us. And sometimes it works against us that sometimes physical beauty is a fitna mudilla that leads us astray. What we really want is the zinat al-iman. We want our inward state to be beautiful. We want to have the beauty and the adornment of Iman. This is what makes someone beautiful, even if someone outwardly has been given none of the characteristics of beauty. But they have the beauty of Iman internally. They've been given everything that they need. And this person will be utterly beautiful before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And bless us to be guides who are guided in and of themselves. People that are guided within and of themselves and they are means for other people to become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala outwardly. This is one of the blessed du'as of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu that the angels used to supplicate with, the prophets used to supplicate with, and the righteous used to supplicate with. So we should make this from our du'as and our supplications that we say throughout our lives, but especially on blessed days and blessed nights and in blessed times, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make them all a reality in us. And that from the blessing of the lisan of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa saying these blessed du'as, may they become a reality within us and may we granted them. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alameen, Muhammadin, Wa
as we get closer and closer to Ramadan, we only have about two weeks left. Now is the time not to become complacent. Now is the time to be especially aware that we have only about two months before this blessed month enters. This is a time to especially prepare. And I advise myself and I advise those that are that listening to that this khutbah to sit down and plan for the month of Ramadan. Sit down with yourself and if you have family, with your family and plan for the month of Ramadan. Ask your children what they plan to do in the month of Ramadan. That those that are young that are not even at the age where it's recommended for them to fast, maybe you can convince them to fast a few hours of the day. Those who are a little bit older, maybe you can convince them to fast a little bit more. Talk to each one of your family members about what it is that they intend to do in the blessed month of Ramadan. That all of us should do at least one khatam of the Qur'an. Even if you read a translation of the meaning. Even if you can't read the Arabic, you should still do a khatam. Read a good translation of the meanings of the book of Allah. Wa ta'ala. Everybody should do a khatam. At least one. And if you're still struggling reading a little bit, read what you can from the Arabic, but also do a khatam in of the translation of the meanings in English. Connect ourselves to Allah Ta'ala's book, but let's sit down with our family members and plan for this blessed month and the various things that we intend to do and what we might intend to avoid and we might cut back on and so forth and so on. Let's plan for this blessed month and then do our best to be able to implement it. And then we have in Ramadan 10 days, and then 10 days, and then 10 days, three sets of 10. And then after those first 10, we need to, mm, have we put into practice what it is that we wrote down right about now before the month enters? And then we need to remind ourselves in the second 10. And then we need to gear up to completely turn to Allah Ta'ala in the last 10. Ramadan is going to come very quickly. We want to be ready because the first night is very special is that if it enters, we need to be prepared from the time that it enters to be in a state of iqbal, that is turning our hearts to Allah, ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in the remaining days of Sha'ban and cause us to, be, to reach the month of Ramadan. And may this be the very best month of all that we've ever fasted this year. And may the next year be even better. And the next year aksda be even better. Fi khayran, ulutfan, wa'afiyah. Inna Allah wa malaikatuhu yusalluna alin nabi. يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى سادات الخلفاء الرشيدين أبي بكر وعثمان وعلي وعلى جميع ساداتنا الصحابة الكرام أهل بيت رسول الله المطاهرين من الأرجاس وعلينا معهم فيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين ومنات المسلمين والمسلمات والمسلمات الأحياء منهم ونمات يا أول الأولين ويا آخر الآخرين ويا ذا القود المتين ويا أبراهيم المساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزنا رحمة من عندك نسأل بها في الدنيا والآخرة اللهم بارك لنا في شعبان وبلغنا رمضان وإن فيها على الصيام وتلاوة القرآن اللهم وفقنا من تبه الضال وطلضا يا أرحم الراحمين يا ذا الطالب العام يا ذا الجلال والكرام آوكم الله نصركم الله إن الله يعمل بالعدل والإحسان ونيتائذ القربى 
وإنها أن الفحشاء ومنكم البغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله العظيم يذكركم وأشكرها أني ميزدكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر Thank you for listening to one of Al Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full time, part time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.